Hi, welcome to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. We put out weekly messages to challenge, encourage, and inspire you. You can send any questions or prayer requests to connect at perryhall.life. If the message speaks to you, go ahead and subscribe for more. I want to talk about it. I really want to talk about it. I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I don't think I can help myself anymore. I think it's the real elephant in the room around the world right now. It's tearing us apart, pitting friend against friend, brother against brother, husband against wife. It's keeping me up at night, church. It's wearing us down, bringing society to a grinding halt. For me personally, it's becoming all I can think about. All I can think about every day, all day. And the more I think about it, the more my anxiety rises. I do not want to live this way. I don't know about you. I don't want to live this way anymore. And I can't keep quiet any longer. So what am I talking about? It's actually not the global pandemic. It's actually not COVID-19. It's more frustrating than that for me. And it should be for us. What's really bothering me is simply the way we're treating each other during the pandemic. Don't mishear me. The pandemic has disrupted everything about our way of life. Work, church, school, travel, grocery shopping, and maybe worst of all, our time together with loved ones. It's torn into shreds. Nothing is normal. There is no normal right now. I understand that. I see the severity of that. And believe me, I get it. We're living in a pressure cooker. We are living in an absolute pressure cooker. That said, as Christians... We're still held to a certain standard, held to a code. We are expected to love one another, and not just to love one another, but to love one another as Jesus loved us. Scripture says, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. Okay, we're supposed to love each other on that level. And we're not just supposed to love each other. Scripture also tells us to love our neighbor as ourself, meaning love the people around you that God has brought into your life more than you. Selfishness has got to be gone. We have to let go of it. It's just what's expected. I'm not making it up. This is what's found in Scripture. I want to take you to John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you feel the gravity of that? If we even want to be seen as believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, then the price of entry is to love each other the way that we love ourselves, more than we love ourselves. To love each other the way that Christ loves us. Now we know he laid down his life, but he also left heaven, left the Father to come take on this fragile human form and to walk this earth and to be the sacrifice in the first place. There was a moment on the cross when Jesus and God were separated for the first time in all of eternity and that all sin fell on him. Now we say this all the time, but do we get the gravity of that? Do we love each other on that level? Do we love the people around us, the world around us? Are we that sacrificial? I would say there's almost no chance anyone can say that and mean it. But that is who we're supposed to be. When things are great, And when things are terrible. And right now the world seems pretty terrible. But you know what can turn that around? Loving each other 
the way that Jesus loved us. It is a command. It is an expectation. It's exactly what God wants us to do. And also, it is the way to change the world. Scripture tells us that it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. Not cruelty, his kindness. See, right now, there's a lot to disagree over. I get that. There's a whole lot of issues that come along with everything happening in the world that we can disagree about. But we have to disagree and love. That's not optional. We're not out here to beat each other down, to tear each other apart. We want the world to have peace. We want the world to be a place where love is prevalent. We want the world to be unified. That has to start with us. It has to start with us. I want to look at another scripture together. And it's, it's Jesus cursing a fig tree. And it may seem silly, but just walk with me through this. Mark 11, starting in verse 12, says this. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Skipping down to verse 20, they walk by the fig tree again. It says this, In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. A couple weeks ago, I had kind of a shameless commercial talking to you about our Zoom Bible studies that we've been doing. We've been spending a lot of time in Mark. I'm telling you again that one thing you absolutely need to do right now is jump on our website, join one of our Zoom groups. It's been absolutely incredible. We have six of them going now. We'd love to open up more. You see, before I continue talking about the scripture, my whole life as a believer, I've been told that the church is not a building. Church is what happens outside the walls, Monday through Saturday. All these statements, and they sound fantastic. But here when the pressure is on, when we can't meet now or we shouldn't meet there, do we fall apart or do we live up to all of those statements? Can we be the church outside of the building Monday through Saturday? Can we be the church outside the walls? One way that we're doing that is with these Zoom Bible studies. Decades of being a believer, of reading through Mark several times, I have never been impacted as heavily as I have walking through the book of Mark with these Zoom Bible study groups. We get together, we share God's word. It changes lives. It changes everything. It's deeper. It's hitting harder. I encourage you to get involved. We're going to be starting in John next week. So if you haven't done it, jump in, read John 1. I would love to get you in one of the groups. I cannot tell you, this is one of the main ways that we can be the church outside of the walls, that we can be the church without meeting in a room. We can do this. Now, back to the fig tree. I tell all that to tell you this. In, in Mark 11, when we were in our Zoom groups, the question came up from several people. 
well, it wasn't the season for figs. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Was he in a bad mood? Was he just hangry? Is that literally what's happening? He doesn't have fruit and he's in a bad mood. Here's the lesson I take away from this, one that I had never seen before this particular Zoom Bible study. Though it was not the season for figs, Jesus cursed the tree, and we are told in Scripture to be prepared in season and out of season to share the good news, to share the gospel. We don't get an off-season. We are expected to bear fruit every minute of our lives. And especially in the middle of a global pandemic, with the world in chaos, with people losing jobs, with people hurting more than they've hurt before, we have to be Jesus. We have to love each other the way Christ loved us. We don't get an off season. We don't get to be tired. We don't get to be worn out on loving people. That's just not an option. So I just challenge you with that right now. Are you in a Zoom Bible study group? Are you, are you getting in God's word constantly? Because we're without excuse there. But then are you also checking in on your loved ones? Are you checking in on your friends and family, on the elderly, on anyone out there that needs help getting groceries or whatever it is? Are you doing that? Are you being the church? Because that is part of the call of being a believer. You can take our building away. We're still going to be the church. And I want you to know this. God has grown us, Perry Hall Family Worship Center, deeper spiritually. He's brought new faces from around the country to join our Bible study groups. He's taking care of us financially during this entire situation. God's doing his thing. He's holding up his end of it. Are we holding up ours? Are we daring to be the church outside the walls in the middle of a global pandemic? Are we loving others the way Jesus loved us? Are we loving our neighbor the way we love ourselves? Because I believe wholeheartedly that is required. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The odds are you've heard this passage at a thousand weddings. I get it. It's beautiful, it's poignant, it's deep. And husband and wife should love each other this way, but it's about so much more. This is about God's love, the way he loves us, the way we're supposed to love other people. This is how we're commanded to live and approach people around us. So let's just look at some of these phrases. Love is patient. It's hard to be patient right now, church. We want to get back to normal. We want to do the things we want to do, see the people we want to see. Love is kind. There's a lot of things to disagree about right now. There's a lot of opinions going around. Can you disagree in kindness? I feel like we've lost the ability to agree to disagree. Kindness is becoming a thing of the past, and that's not okay. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Could we just try this? Could we drop our pride for one week, two weeks, pretend we don't know everything, and just see where that gets us as a people? 
This one's huge. It does not dishonor others. If you've been on Facebook in the last five minutes, there's a lot of dishonoring others. There's a lot of things to disagree with in the world right now. There's a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of things that we do. But one thing we should not be doing is dishonoring others in the middle of it just because we disagree with the way that we approach it. We're not meant to dishonor others. Believers, non-believers, doesn't matter. It is not self-seeking. Think about that. Are you looking for likes? Are you looking for people to tell you that they think you're smart? Don't be self-seeking right now. How can we help each other? It's not easily angered. Now, this is hard. When you get on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, and you see things you disagree with, things that you think are blatantly wrong, it's so easy to get angry. It shouldn't be easy. There is such a thing as righteous anger. We've seen it in Jesus, but we are way too easily angered. Again, I get it. We're in a pressure cooker. It keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. The word of God is truth. It's not subjective. And we're called to love. That is truth. We should rejoice in that, not not shirk our responsibility, not say, yeah, but things are different now. No, no, no. That is truth. We are called to love. We don't get out of that. Love always hopes, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Those are tough to do right now. I get it. I get it. But they're still required. It is still required behavior. We need to trust that God's got this. We need to hope for a better tomorrow. We need to persevere. We don't get an option. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. We are called to love right now in the middle of all of this. If we back up a little bit in 1 Corinthians 13, if we go back to the earlier verses and see what comes before this, it just brings a lot of gravity to the situation. Starting in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 says this, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So again, I tell you, it doesn't matter what else we do. We have to love. We have to start there. We don't get an excuse. We don't get out of it. We don't. Last week we talked, or two weeks ago when I preached, we talked about the end of this whole chapter, which says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I can't say it enough. I cannot, I cannot emphasize it emphatically enough. We have to love, and we have to love the way Jesus loved, and we have to do it now when the world is upside down. It seems easy when things are perfect, and we don't even get it right then. But if we want to see real change in the world, if we want to see the gospel go forward, if we want to see people's lives change and made better, it begins with love. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 18 says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, 
but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the point in the message where we're going to talk about some real action steps. We said love each other. We said love the way Jesus loves. But what are some ways that we can do that? Well, this passage in 1 Thessalonians is full of great ideas. First of all, live in peace with each other. It doesn't say make sure that you agree on everything. It doesn't say make sure that you think the same ways. It doesn't say bring people in line. It says live in peace with each other. Now he's talking to believers. We can also live in peace with unbelievers. Everybody's hurting right now. We don't, as the church, and just like the fig tree, we don't get an off season. We're expected to bear fruit. And right now, in this world, we need to be the peacemakers, the peace bringers. It's got to start with us. It says, warn those who are idle and disruptive. You have close friends around you. I'm not talking about strangers or someone that you're barely friends with on Facebook. If you have people that are purposely being idle or disruptive right now, that are trying to shake things up, and you have a close enough relationship to have a loving conversation, have that conversation. Here's a crazy one. Encourage the disheartened. Do you know how many people just in this church are disheartened right now, who are frustrated, who feel like everything's falling apart, they're breaking down? Reach out to some people, text them, call them, jump on FaceTime, whatever you got to do, but encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Those two statements alone are a message. Help the weak. There are a lot of people who could use your help right now. There are people who are in a high-risk category and could use some help. Someone maybe bringing them groceries or whatever it is. There's people all around you who need you to be Jesus right now. And be patient with everyone might be the most difficult part of this whole passage to handle. We're not patient people by nature. We're just not. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. It is such a natural human reaction. You hurt me. I hurt you. You did this, so I do that. Jesus never did that. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that. But always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Now here, starting in verse 16 is where it gets really important. These are action steps, okay? These are things you can actually work on. Rejoice always. Are things bad? Yes. Do you have air in your lungs? Yes. Rejoice. You can find the things to rejoice in. Pastor Don talked a few weeks about proper thinking. Have we dwell on the negative? Have we dwell on all these things? It actually creates chemicals in your brain. It takes you down a whole path. There's a whole science behind it. But on the flip side, you think on things from above, heavenly things. Think of the gifts God's given you, not the struggles. Rejoice always. Verse 17, this one's crazy. Pray continually. Some uh, translations say pray without ceasing. It means communicate with God all the time. Maybe now more than ever. Pray continually. So you can rejoice always. You can pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. You know you have things in your life to be thankful for. At the absolute bottom, rock bottom, there's still things to be thankful for. Be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances. And here's the kicker, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is who he wants us to be. It's absolutely who he wants his church to be. We absolutely have to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you 
in Christ Jesus. We have been in our groups praying some crazy prayers. We've been asking God to bring peace and unity to the world. That's a big order. It's bigger than Perry Hall. It's bigger than Maryland. It's bigger than America. But I believe God wants to do that. And I'm challenging you right now to pray the same prayer. That God will bring peace and unity in the middle of a pandemic. He's done big things before. Trust me. I'm asking you to pray for that. I'm asking you to jump on our website and find a Zoom group. Sign up. We'll start more if we have to. We want to be the church outside the walls. We have to be the church outside the walls. We don't get an off season. We don't get to be too tired to spread the gospel. Please join a group. Take these action steps we talked about. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks and all. Take care of the week. There's so much here. Go back, if you will, go back and read the scripture that we've went through today and make it part of your routine. We thank you for being patient with us. We thank you for helping us grow. We need you to know that we love you. You're being prayed for and we want to communicate with you. So join a group, reach out, send your prayer request our way through our website, whatever you can do to be connected. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking out the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you want to know more about our church, go to perryhall.life.